Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Hello, guys. Uh, it is just good to be with you. I'm so excited to say that this is the last podcast on the 22 reasons to stop believing in God. It's going to be, as always, a rebuttal of the last two uh, reasons that uh, this guy on YouTube gave as to why it is a good idea to stop believing in God. So the two basic questions to summarize sort of what the discussion is going to be about today is this. Number one, is it true that if God loves me, he will never allow bad things to happen to me? Number two, if we are made in God's image, does that mean we look like him physically so those are the two questions that i'll be dealing with today uh i've got to be honest i've learned so much in this series it is so good to challenge your worldview to look at the opposite ideas and we should never be scared of the questions that can be thrown at our faith we have to make sure that our worldviews are correct and that they are rational i personally believe that the truth is a combination of three ingredients they all three have to be aligned number one is rationality number two is science and number three is the scriptures so those three always have to be aligned when those three are aligned then you have truth and i think that's a nice way to check what you believe i know that uh, i've previously said that i want to start looking at all the different types of churches and uh, the issues related to that um, I think that's important to talk about because there's a lot of confusion out there. One of the key criticisms that atheism has of Christianity is the many disagreements between Christianity. The plurality of churches have been a great criticism uh, from the atheist community. But I've rather decided that there is a bigger and more pressing and more important thing to deal with. And that is the Muslim religion. The Muslim religion is uh, growing. There are almost uh, 2 billion people on our planet that are stuck in this um, religion. Uh, many people, including Christians, they believe that the religion could be true, that Islam could be true. I'd like to submit to you, it is definitely not true. And I'm not shy to say that it is definitely not from God. Uh, it is definitely something that needs to be opposed, that needs to be challenged. It is uh, not a very rational religion. It is a, a religion that holds people captive. And I want to start there next week by dealing with reasons why uh, you should never become a Muslim. Um, so that's from next week. Well, actually, it is already this week. So Thursday, Friday, I'll be launching the first one. Uh, but for today, let me conclude this series on the 22 reasons to stop believing in God. Here is number 21 and 22 and the rebuttal of it uh, according to Hemant Mehta. Number 21 was this. This was his criticism of belief in God. Between tornadoes in Oklahoma, droughts in Texas and hurricanes in Alabama, there sure are a lot of natural disasters in the places that God supposedly loves. That was number 21. Number 22 was this. You were made in God's image, except for your foreskin. Apparently, you need to cut that off. So, okay, let me start with the first one. Let me just repeat it. Number 21. Between tornadoes in Oklahoma, droughts in Texas, and hurricanes in Alabama, 
there sure are a lot of natural disasters in the places that God supposedly loves. I think the argument here is this. If God existed, then there would not have been natural disasters in the places where God's people live. Right? You get that? Oklahoma, Texas, and and Alabama form a part in the states that uh, people call the Bible Belt. Lots of Christians there, right? The fact, therefore, that natural disasters happen there means that God doesn't exist. You get the point that he's trying to make. At the root of his idea lies the belief that God lets good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Okay? Well, you know, I've got two responses to that. Um, just And, you know, this is something that we can talk about forever. Uh, first, my first response would be this. Christians are not immune to natural evil. Let me just briefly explain to you the difference between natural evil and moral evil. Moral evil is when somebody picks up a gun and shoots my child. The reason why that evil and that suffering happens is because of somebody's moral decision. It's decisions that people made. Okay, But when a tornado or a hurricane came, that's not a decision that somebody made, right? That's a decision that God made or the universe made if you don't believe in God or nature made. That's why we call it natural evil. Now Christians are not immune to natural evil, but Christians are also not immune to moral evil. We're not immune to the evil that people impose upon us. Okay, but the point here is just because he brings up natural evil, I'd like to say that Christians also experience natural evil. And the question then would be, well, why? Why would God allow me also then to suffer in a hurricane or in a tornado? Tornado, tornado. Sorry, God can love you and bring pain upon you at the same time. And that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It sounds like, no, it can't be. How can God love me and bring pain upon me at the same time? Well, we do it to our kids all the time, don't we? When you take your kid to the uh, doctor to get his vaccine, you know he's going to cry when he gets that injection, but you do it anyway. When your kid has got an ulcer, you put salt on it. When your kid has a big boil, you're going to push out the pus, right? And it's going to be painful, right? Loads of times we love our kids and we still take them through pain or we allow them to go through pain. In actual fact, uh, let's just look at what the Bible says. God often brings pain upon his most faithful because he loves them. Look at his own son. His own son suffered on the cross. Yes, that was an instance of moral evil, but God could have stopped that as well. I mean, the whole story of Jesus is one of suffering. Consider the story of Job, for example. We see that there's a, a, a mighty wind. It could have been a tornado that swept um, his children's house and the walls fell down and killed all of his children. I mean, that's a devastating story. And God allowed that. God allowed Job to go through that suffering for a purpose, which was something, by the way, that was beyond Job's understanding. But in the end, Job was blessed more than what what he was before his children died. So Christians who suffer is not evidence of God's non-existence. The Bible does not promise a safe and pain-free life if you follow Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible does promise a peace 
a peace-driven life if you follow Christ. The Bible promises a life of joy in this world where you will have trouble. Jesus himself says, um, in this world you will have great trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in, in many ways, uh, God actually promises the opposite. If you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted, is one of the thoughts that Paul shared with Timothy. So this does not mean that Christians will un always understand why they go through suffering. Um, it just means that they trust God, that there are reasons and good reasons beyond our current comprehension why we go through difficult times. So if a tornado hits my, um, my house, all right, that is not evidence that God does not exist. Okay, nowhere does God promise that we will be immune to natural disasters if we love him. And then there's a second uh, response I would like to give uh, that I think is important. Non-Christians, here it is, non-Christians are especially open to natural evil if you look at the facts of the world. You know, this, this guy, he brings up uh, Oklahoma and Texas and Alabama. It's interesting that he only brings up the states who are known to be Christian, right? But he forgets about the wildfires in California. The wildfires in California, ladies and gentlemen, has been some of the most devastating natural disasters the state has ever seen. You know what is in California? That's where Hollywood is. That's where some of the most ungodly people in America lives. What about the hurricanes that have hit Florida and New Orleans? New Orleans being one of the most ungodly places in the states, right? Many, many more people died in these places. And these are also some of the most godless places in America. Now I've got in front of me the list of natural disasters worldwide by death toll. So I want to read it out to you and then I'd like you to just think about it for a moment. I've got in front of me here, let's look at the first one, the 10 deadliest natural disasters excluding epidemics and famines. That is worldwide. Here's the locations. I'm just going to read the locations. There's China. China is number one. The first four natural disasters, worst natural disasters the world has ever seen is China. Then it is East Pakistan, number five. Then it's Haiti. Then it's Turkey. Then it's Vietnam. And then it's China again. Okay, let's talk about the 10 deadliest natural disasters since the year 1900. We've got China in number one, number two, East Pakistan. Then we've got Haiti. Then we've got China from four to six. Then we've got the Indian Ocean flood that took place. Remember that tsunami that hit um, Phuket, that hit Thailand. And I don't know if you've been to Phuket. It's the most ungodly place on the planet. Uh, we, we can talk about China then again. Number nine, Japan. Number 10, Bangladesh. I've got the deadliest natural disasters by year. Uh, and once again, I can give you the list. It goes on and on and on. And most of these places, guess where they are at? In the East. And then you ask yourself the question, is God present in these nations? I mean, you go further on, you see Iran even has loads of natural disasters. Most of these countries are in the East, they're in the Middle East, they're in India, they're in China, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, China has got one of the most ungodly governments of all. The people in India, they worship demons with their 200 million gods. 
The point is this, if we want to use the argument that the Bible Belt natural disasters is evidence that God doesn't exist, then we can use the worst natural disasters in the most atheistic parts of the world as evidence that God does exist. Right? If we want to use this argument, then surely it's evidence if most natural disasters take place in China, the most godless uh, nation in the world, then surely Surely God must exist. And it is true. You might be saying, well, well, look, the fastest growing Christianity is taking place in China. So how could God bring it upon China? Well, that's maybe exactly why it is currently the fastest growing Christian uh, place in China. Or not Christian place, but why the number of followers of Jesus are increasing. The government is not godly at all. Maybe that is why God continually brings upon natural disasters that the Chinese government cannot control. Why does God bring that upon those people uh, consistently? And here you see a very good example. Christianity has grown, I think, from the 1940s uh, until now. There are over, they estimate 100 million Christians in China. Maybe it's because of the natural disasters. Maybe that is a method that God uses to get people to Him. So we can use natural disasters, actually, if we look at it carefully and we look at it accurately, we can look at natural disasters and say those are actually brought about by God for the purpose of him, of, of him reaching all people. And in that sense, natural disasters actually becomes evidence for the existence of God and not evidence for the non-existence of God. So, um, yeah, just once again, number 21, I don't think that's a very good argument that can really be extrapolated on a lot. Okay, the next point, the last one. To close off this uh, wonderful set of past podcasts, you were made in God's image except for your foreskin. Apparently, you need to cut that off. Uh, here, Hemant is pointing out an apparent contradiction, right? God makes us a certain way and then requires us to mutilate it. It seems silly. Not like something a divine being would require. So here are, here are a few responses just from me. First of all, God does not require the cutting off of your foreskin. In the Jewish faith, yes, but I'm not going to speak for them. They can speak for themselves. By the way, it is a good idea in any ways, medically. Let's take religion out of it. I mean, it is a section of your body that can um, contain disease and and. and yeah, so it's a, it's a good idea to have it removed medically in any ways. Number two, what if God purposefully created the foreskin with the goal of using it as symbolism in cutting off the sinful nature? Because that's what we understand in the New Testament. Circumcision in the Christian faith is symbolic of the circumcision of the heart. There's tremendous inner spiritual symbolism and for that reason it becomes very powerful. What if God created the body exactly like this? For the purpose that one day the Jews would be circumcised and that would flow into the Christian faith with the purpose of symbolizing how the Christian faith works. That Christ comes, he circumcises your heart, he cuts off the sinful nature from your life and he cleans you out. There's tremendous symbolism in that. And if God is the creator, he's got the perfect authority and power to make that happen. And nobody has to question him about that. And there's a third statement. To be made in the image of God has nothing to do with our physical bodies. All right. I don't understand why uh, people who bring up this argument cannot understand it. Okay. Being made in the image of God does not mean that God sits in heaven and looks like a man. 
that he's got elbows and knees and toes. Nick Vujicic. I mean, go, go check out this this guy. I mean, what a wonderful person. I mean, he do, he was born without legs. He was born without arms. Now my question is, is he now less made in the image of God than anybody else who's got all their limbs? You see, it's a ridiculous argument. Being made in the image of God is about our ability to love and be loved. And that's a discussion for another day. It's about our moral um, compass that is built within us. Our ability to love people and to be loved by people. That is from God. So let me conclude. And usually I, I bring up two um, statements to the atheist community to, to think about um, in response to the accusations or, or the uh, criticism that has been thrown at um, Christianity. And so here it is for this week. It's interesting how nature acts out most on the places where God isn't welcome. Isn't that interesting? Go check it out for yourself. And maybe God is trying to give us a message after all. Go look at places where God is absent or not welcome. And then you look at a list of the places where the worst natural disasters take place and see if there's any correlation. It will be a very interesting study for you. And then lastly, if we are just the product of mindless matter, in other words, not made in the image of God, why can't we just all do what we want? Act like animals, right? If we are just like the animals, why can't we just act like the animals? If we're not made in the image of God, which really is morality these this idea of loving people and being able to receive love back why if, if that doesn't exist we're not made in the image of god we haven't got a moral code in our hearts and our minds why can't we just act like the animals since we are just animals a question to go think about guys it's been a wonderful journey uh, i hope that there's been some things that have been said that will prickle your mind and equip you to make disciples to be able to fish for men I hope that some things will make you question your atheistic worldview if you do have such a worldview. And I just pray that God will bless you this week, that you'll just have a wonderful time. Uh, next time we speak, it will be about Islam. Have a fantastic day. Cheers.